Hi all, welcome back to How to Win at GCSE Science with me, Mr Booker. Today we're moving on to B2, which is all about how things are organised within our bodies. We've already defined a cell as a basic building block of all living organisms, but we need to know about things on a slightly bigger scale. When a group of cells with a similar structure and function work together, this is called a tissue. An example of a tissue in the body includes muscle or nervous tissue. Even blood counts as a tissue, as it is made from different cells working together. We'll look at these cells and their functions in a later episode. An organ is a group of different tissues that work together to perform a certain function. An example that we'll discuss later on is a stomach. It's made from different types of tissues such as muscular, glandular and epithelial tissue that all work together to help to digest food. On a bigger scale, organs are arranged into organ systems. This is simply a group of organs working together to perform a particular function. Some examples include the skeletal, muscular and digestive system. So the order from smallest to largest goes cell, tissue, organ and organ system. The organ system we're going to focus on now is the digestive system. It's called a system because it involves lots of different organs working together to achieve the same function, that function being digestion. As I'm sure we're all aware, food's journey begins in the mouth. This is where mechanical digestion takes place through chewing and chemical digestion begins with amylase in the saliva. More on this soon. The food then travels down the esophagus into the stomach. In the stomach, food is mushed up by the muscular tissue in the stomach wall. The strong acid with a low pH in the stomach kills bacteria that might have been on the food and provides the right pH for certain enzymes to work. The food then travels through the small intestine. Now I wouldn't recommend trying this, but if you were to pull your small intestine out, it would stretch to almost seven meters. This combined with the villi inside them that we discussed in a previous episode provides a massive surface area for the absorption of important nutrients. After the small intestine comes a large intestine in which water is absorbed from the food. It then goes to the rectum and is stored as faeces before being fired out of the anus. And so ends the journey of that delicious pizza you had for breakfast. Enzymes are involved in digestion along with many other processes in your body. An enzyme is a biological catalyst and a catalyst is something that increases the speed of a reaction without being changed or used up. Enzymes are super important. You have around 75,000 different enzymes in your body, all busily working in the background to keep you alive. They are usually involved in reactions that either split things apart or join them together, but they always work in a similar way. Enzymes have a very specific shape. They can achieve this shape as they are made of protein that can fold in a highly specific way. Part of this protein will bind to the substrate. This is just the name we give to whatever the enzyme is working on. The part of the enzyme that attaches to the substrate is called the active site. This is pretty much a perfect fit, so this idea is given the name of the lock and key model, as a key fits perfectly into a lock. It's really important that the active site keeps its shape, as any slight change would mean that the substrate won't fit into the active site, and the enzyme will stop working. One factor that can affect the active site is temperature. Increasing the temperature to a point will increase the rate of the enzyme activity, but if it gets too hot the bonds that are holding the enzymes together in its specific shape will break. This changes the shape of the active site and so the enzyme can't bind to the substrate. When this has happened we say that the enzyme has been denatured and this is why a very high temperature can be dangerous for humans, for example if they have a fever. pH can also affect enzymes. If it's too high or too low for the specific enzyme it can interfere with the bonds holding it together and will again cause the enzyme to denature. Enzymes play an extremely important role in digestion. 
It is due to the action of enzymes that we are able to break really big molecules down into smaller molecules that we can then use in our body. There are three enzymes that you need to remember, the first of which is amylase. Amylase is an example of a carbohydrate, a big family of enzymes that break down carbohydrates. Amylase specifically breaks down starch into simple sugars such as maltose. All three enzymes you need to know are made in the pancreas and the small intestine, and amylase is made in saliva as well. A really fun and exciting way to spend your time can be to stuff a slice of bread in your mouth and hold it there for a while. It'll eventually start to taste sweet due to the amylase in your saliva breaking the starch down into sugars. Now the name amylase doesn't sound anything like starch, but starch is actually made up of two molecules called amylose and amylopectin. You don't need to learn these names, but it might help the name amylase make more sense. The second enzyme you need to remember is protease. The name gives you a clue with this one, as protease breaks down protein. This again is produced by the small intestine and the pancreas, but also by the stomach. This makes sense though, as it works best at a low pH of around 2. The protein is broken down into small amino acids, which can then be used to build other proteins in the body. The final enzyme to remember is lipase. You'll never guess where lipase is produced. That's right, the pancreas and the small intestine. There is a clue with this one as well, as the fancy word for fat is lipid. So lipase breaks down lipids into two things, glycerol and fatty acids. You'll be glad to learn that enzymes aren't on their own in their battle against large molecules. Bile is a gloopy green substance that has two main roles in digestion. It neutralizes a strong stomach acid in the small intestine, thus providing the correct pH for enzymes in there to work effectively, and it emulsifies fat. Emulsifies a fancy term for breaking the fat into tiny droplets. It does this to increase the surface area of the fat for the enzyme lipase to work faster. Have you ever wondered how you could test exactly which molecules were in your food? Well, wonder no longer, as there are four exciting tests you can carry out that will do just that. Now, there might seem like there's lots to remember here, but the methods are quite short and you'll be able to practice all of these for real in class. For each of the tests, it's important to prepare a food sample before beginning. To do this, you simply break up the food using a pestle and mortar and then mix it with some distilled water. You can then filter it to get rid of any big chunks of food that might be left over. The first is the Benedict's test, which tests for sugars, specifically reducing sugars, but don't worry about what this means just yet. All you have to do is add around 10 drops of Benedict's solution to your sample and heat it in a water bath at around 75 degrees for 5 minutes. Benedict's test is unique in that it's the only one that has multiple colour changes, and each colour indicates how much sugar there is in the sample. The colour change goes from blue to green to yellow to brick red, with blue meaning no sugar at all and brick red meaning lots of sugar. The second test is the Bayourette test for protein. The method is really simple. You just add some Bayourette solution to your sample and give it a shake. If it changes from blue to purple, protein is present. And if it stays blue, there's no protein in the sample. A way to remember this one is that both purple and protein begin with the letter P. Also notice that both of these food tests begin with the letter B and both start off with the color blue. The third test is the Sudan 3 test, which is a test for lipids. You add a few drops of Sudan 3 solution to your sample, and if lipids are present, it will stain them red and form a layer on top of the liquid. The final test to remember is the iodine test for starch. Iodine is a brownie-orange solution that is a natural disinfectant. If you've ever had an operation, you might have noticed that the body part being operated on was stained a funny orangey colour. Well, this is iodine. If we add a few drops of iodine solution to our sample, 
It will change from brownie orange to blue black if starch is present. We can take it a step further and use this information in a different required practical. We now know that if a solution contains starch, it will turn from orangey brown to blue black when mixed with iodine. We also know that amylase is the enzyme that breaks starch down into sugars. So for example, if we had a solution of starch and added some amylase, the amylase would start to break down the starch into sugars. If we kept taking samples from the solution and testing it with iodine, we would be able to tell when the starch had been completely digested as the iodine would remain orangey brown due to no starch being left in the solution. This is effectively what we do in the enzymes required practical. We begin by adding a drop of iodine solution into every well of a spotting tile. We then heat amylase solution and starch solution in separate boiling tubes to around 35 degrees using either a water bath or a Bunsen burner. We also heat the buffer solution to 35 degrees as well. The buffer solution has just one job and that is to control the pH. This is going to be our independent variable for this experiment as in the variable we are going to change. So we might start with pH 5 for example, then repeat the whole experiment with pH 6, pH 7 and pH 8. When we have heated the solutions up, we mix them together. So starch, amylase and buffer and start a timer. We take a sample from this mixture every 30 seconds and add it to our spotting tile with iodine in it. If the iodine changes from orangey brown to blue black, we know that starch is still present in the solution and we let the reaction continue. We keep taking a sample in this way every 30 seconds until the iodine stops changing colour, as this suggests that all the starch has been digested. When we've done this for all the different pHs we are testing, we will be able to tell which is the optimum pH for amylase, as it will have the shortest time. Remember that throughout the experiment we also need to keep our control variables the same to make sure it's a fair test, such as the concentration and volume of the amylase solution. Ok, so to recap the key points. Enzymes are biological catalysts. Enzymes bind to substrates by the active site, and this is called the lock and key model. Amylase breaks down starch into simple sugars. Protease breaks down protein into amino acids. Lipase breaks down lipids into glycerol and fatty acids. The Benedict's test tests for sugars and involves multiple colour changes from blue to green to yellow to brick red. The Bayeret test is for protein and changes from blue to purple. The Sedan 3 test is for lipids and forms a red layer on the surface of the sample. And the Iodine test is for starch and changes from orangey brown to blue black. So I hope that was helpful. If you have any questions or specific topics you'd like covering, you can let me know on Twitter at Mr. Book of Science.